Well, it's hard to believe season two is at an end, but it is. This is the season two finale, but not to worry. We'll take a short break and be back with an amazing season three. Let me tell you, I'm not ready to spoil it yet, but I have an awesome theme for next season as well as some amazing launch guests. If you're looking to support the show, the best way right now is to go to faithful.place. I'm doing a video series on there on my devotional Eyes on Jesus. I'm not just reading the devotional to you, but I'm going day by day through the devotional with a video about five minutes long to give you some practical advice for that day. So I hope you check that out. Go to faithful.place. There's also a link in the show notes. And without any further delay, let's get right into my conversation with Mike Novotny. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, the discerning dad, Tim Ferrara. Well, welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. My guest this week is Mike Novotny. Mike is a pastor who has served God's people in full-time ministry since 2007. He also serves as a host and speaker for the Time of Grace television program and contributes to the written resources of Time of Grace ministry. Pastor Mike is married to Kim and they have two daughters. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Tim. Thanks for having me. That's awesome. You live in Wisconsin. How's how's it there this time of year in the fall? Um. The fall is the time for all of us to idolize the Green Bay Packers. So we, uh, <laughs> You're not wearing Packers. a cheese head today. So <laughs> I'm not. I've had to learn like not to be bitter that on Packer Sundays, like church yeah. attendance is just going to take a hit. And we <laughs> well, I won't to- mention that uh, Arizona Cardinals are five and zero is the time of this recording. So <laughs> wow, we're going to go there right yeah. off the start. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who doesn't even watch it that this year, and like the one of the years I do not watch football, of course. The, my home state is doing the best they've ever done. And so it's like, man, I'm not even following football this year. And of course they're doing great. So, so tell us any, uh, anything else in your bio you'd like to fill in anything about your family, like our listeners to know. Oh yeah. So I'm, uh, I just turned 40 last year. So I'm at that stage of life where I make random, like groaning expressions when I <laughs> sit down or <laughs> get up from a chair. I'm there with uh, you. Uh, married what 18 years now, my girls are just starting the, the teenage years. So that's fun and interesting. Cool. Um, we have a big countdown on the whiteboard in our kitchen. I think as of today, 242 days until we have tickets to see Justin Bieber in concert. <laughs> a bunch of people stop watching the video at this yeah, point. Right? <laughs> <laughs> wait, he's still around. Oh, wait, now he's a Christian, isn't he? <laughs> so it's a Christian concert now. He He's dropping some interesting Christian music. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my background. I'm a runner, soccer player, book reader, uh, all kinds of stuff. So I stay busy and I'm really blessed. Good, good fun stage of life right now. Yeah. How many books have you written? Oh, it depends how you count them. Uh, I wrote a book, was it maybe three, four years ago on kind of the gospel and pornography mm-hmm. called From Dirty to Dancing. And then two years ago, I wrote my first really big substantial, like 200 page book called Three Words That Will Change Your Life. And then I've, I've bought a dozen kind of mini books on topics that we've covered in sermon series. So time of grace kind of repurposes those as little workbooks and prayer journals. So my name gets put on a bunch of stuff, but really two big writing projects as of this point. So time of grace is tell us about the television program and the resources you guys offer. Yeah. Um, started in 2001. So we're 20 years old, uh, started as a single TV, uh, kind of televangelism thing. 
and it's blossomed since then to be like a nationwide global thing with written resources, something new that we produce every month, weekly TV broadcast, um, a lot of social media stuff. So big kind of YouTube, Instagram, uh, mm-hmm. Facebook stuff. So we just try to get the the gospel out wherever we can and see where it sticks. That's great. Where can they find the program? Yeah, timeofgrace.org. We'll really have all the social media stuff, the TV program, uh, which is kind of an edited version of my Sunday sermon and all their written resources that we'll talk about today. Okay. Awesome. Love that. So when did you get into ministry, you know, maybe accept Christ and kind of get the calling to ministry? What was that time frame in your life like? Yeah. So I'm a shout out to all the faithful Christian moms out there. Um, I was just raised with a really godly, not super flashy, not a crazy story, just a mom who brought me to church. So from the youngest days that I can remember, I I knew that I was saved by grace through faith and not by works. Yeah. Um, so I went through the ups and downs like a lot of people where I was hoping that mom was sleeping in on Sunday. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she, yeah, she brought me. Occasionally she dragged me. And uh, when I was a, a middle schooler, we had a new pastor who came to our church that I really just connected with in a profound way. So he kind of inspired me to start reading the Bible cover to cover. And it was kind of mid high school where I read something that Jesus said, and it just sparked this idea of jumping into ministry full time. Mm. So I kind of felt that calling and pursued it. And yeah, that was the the mid to late nineties. So that feels like forever ago. Yeah, I know. Now they're doing a, uh, I know it's funny how I, I grew up in the nineties too. And so it's like anything nineties now is retro or, you know, <laughs> it's like, come on, that's only like five, 10 years ago. Right. And it's like, oh, <laughs> yes, it's that's not. So <laughs> you have like those sermon quotes from Tommy boy or dumb and dumber, or happy Gilmore. Yeah. Like half the people are looking sideways. Like, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> you get the few people your age, like, yeah, I get that one. And everyone else is like, what? <laughs> yeah, totally. But, so it's happening. It's happening. It's, it's happening. <laughs> So cool. So this podcast is obviously on discernment. So we, I like to ask all my guests a time in your life when you had godly discernment and making a decision, uh, what that decision was like, how you knew it was from God, or maybe you uh, made a wrong decision, but had a learning process in, in the middle of it. So if you could just maybe walk us through a scenario in your life when you had to make a decision and kind of how you uh, went through that discernment journey, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. What, what kind of popped into my mind first when I saw your question was, um, I'd been a pastor for maybe about 10 years when Time of Grace had approached me and asked about being like the second lead speaker. So first speaker, amazing guy, getting a little bit older. So it's kind of like the succession plan. Hmm. And, um, you know, it would have meant a huge change in my ministry from like, you know, full-time shepherding people to do that in about 40% of the time. Yeah. And then filming, writing, visiting people. So, you know, I was really torn on that of what does faithfulness look like? Can can you be a good pastor to people if you're there 40% of the time instead of 100% of the time? Do you Mm. you cheat both ministries? So my my process in approaching that, oh, and I should say, and it terrified me because I've had a lifelong struggle with pride and, you know, thinking too much of myself Mm. and I'm going to be on a, you know, nationwide TV program every week. Yeah. So that scared me from a spiritual perspective. Do I have the kind of character to handle this? Or is this a a curse in disguise? Sure. You know, what good is it if you get the whole world, but you give up your soul? Mm, yeah. So my process 
besides the obvious things, right? Prayer, talking to family was really to try to reach out to a number of people, including those that I knew would be more hesitant and analytical about it. You know, there's a, you have your fans with everything like, it'd be great. This is great. This is great. (laughs) Everything's great. And people I I know who weren't just like patch on the back, but would tell you hard things. And I actually looked before our call here. I, I I saved those emails. They're like my first time of grace emails from 2017. I think Mm. it was. And just like really specific questions, giving people like permission, like, what, what do you think? Like, if you were me, what would you do and why? And trying to absorb like a sponge as much wisdom from outside people who didn't have a dog in the fight. Mm. Um, so that that really helped me, you know, make the decision. But I felt like I was kind of aware of the dangers. I was cognizant of them. So I didn't have any blind spots. Excited about the blessings. Yeah. And, you know, in the end said, let's, let's jump in and God do more of the, the latter and protect me from all the former. <laughs> so you found yourself people that were able to give you honest feedback about it and, and kind of be able to process off of them. Yeah. I'm, I remember like one guy who was maybe on the negative side, he said, Mike, I, I think if you're going to snatch someone from the devil's jaws, you have to be sitting on their couch with them to do it. Wow. Yeah. You know, like you might be a, a face on a, television channel or a, a YouTube, you know, I don't totally agree with that. Cause I've seen God through podcasts or through YouTube videos. I mean, he's affected me with pastors. I've never met face to face in profound sure. ways, but you know, I appreciate that kind of honest. There's a, there's a kind of ministry that can only happen in the flesh and, you know, let's make sure we're not robbing the people of the local church who really need a pastor to sit on the couch with them because you're a part-time. So we had to like structure and make sure there was other pastoral backup so we could do that. Well, right. That's good. How, you know, just because we have an opportunity doesn't always mean it's a God opportunity. And so we have to make sure that, you know, we go before the path of discernment to see like, is this opportunity from you, God? And I, I've told the story before, but when David was in the cave and was able to kill Saul twice, you know, he had to stop and say, no, I'm not going to touch God's anointed because even though the opportunity is there, it's not God's will for me to do that. And he was cheered on by his own men to do that. Mm-hmm. He had yes men in the cave with him to say that, to say, go for it. God's given you this victory. And it took David's discernment to say, no, this is not an opportunity from God. And God in his own timing was able to, you know, give him the, the victory and retribution for Saul's actions. But in our own life too, we we have to make sure we're not surrounded by people that are just yes men, yes women, you know, whatever we we say, mm-hmm. they're just like, yeah, go for it without actually going to prayer for us. And mm-hmm. granted, not everyone's going to do that, but that's why it's important to have a tight-knit circle of people that will, you know, go to prayer and, and fasting with you uh, through the process who will tell you the tough feedback. And then the onus is on us to, to listen to that tough feedback and actually not get offended by it and not, not say like, oh, why are you telling me that? You should have just told me you know, mm-hmm. what I wanted to hear because then we're creating for ourselves an atmosphere where people can't give us feedback. You mm-hmm. know, Think of the boss that doesn't want to listen to anybody else, but if he's actually a 360 degree leader, which is a nice uh, John Maxwell book, you know, they're going to ask for feedback from all levels of the organization because it's only going to help them grow in the process. And as Christians, we should get feedback from all levels of people around us because most people can see our flaws better than we can see our own many times. Mm, that's well said. Isn't there some Old Testament story, maybe Second Kings? I'm, I'm mixing up the names, maybe, but is Ahab the king of of northern Israel going off to war, and they're trying to get all the prophets to say, yeah. you know, should we go fight the Arameans? 
and then the king of Judah comes. Like, let, let's ask for one of Yahweh's prophets. And I think it's Ahab who says, I don't, I don't like that guy. Yeah, he, never, my, he never tells me what I want. <laughs> Micaiah. Micaiah? Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah uh, that was actually my book on counterfeits. I love that story because it was one prophet that stood up against many prophets that were just yes men. And he said what the Lord told him to say, even and uh, I think it was, I think he was put to death because of it. Um, Cause they said, unless we come back, we're not going to let you go free. And so he stood for truth in the midst of uh, people wanting him to say what was, uh, you know, just the, the word of the hour, you know, begging to culture, you know, today people want yeah. Christians to just, just give in, just tell us, tell us what we want to hear. You know, just say the, the, say the soundbite, say the, say the little thing that is uh, maybe not scripturally accurate, but culturally relevant. And so um, mm-hmm. we cannot bend to the masses, if you will, if it is at the expense of uh, the truth of the scripture. So, yeah. Amen. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. Another question I ask all my guests this season, uh, season two is for what we do every day to keep our eyes on Jesus, which is also the name of my new devotional out now. And so just kind of practical ways, you know, we all have kind of a different routine or different things we've learned over the years, but what have you found for yourself ways that you keep your eyes on Jesus every day to avoid the distractions that can easily entangle and ensnare our time? Yeah, that's the question of the hour, huh? How do you... uh... (laughs) Or the phone, my brain like craves my phone as soon as I wake up. How do you, oh, yeah. how do you keep your eyes fixed? Yep. Um, you know, I think over the years I've been reading my Bible um, daily for about a quarter century now. What I've noticed, even after all these years, that I rarely, rarely have like sweet devotional moments when I read just something from start to finish and close the book. Hmm. Right now, I'm trying to read through the Old Testament this year, and I, I really haven't liked it because I've been trying to cover so much content that, I don't know, maybe other people are different, but I rarely have like, wow, really light bulb, that's amazing, stir in my soul. So what I've been doing and, and where this helps is, you know, I'll set like a timer, let's say 30 minutes is kind of my my pattern. I get in bed, open my Bible, and I'm not getting out of bed until the timer's done. Mm. And so I'll read through something and I'm like seven minutes in like, all right, I guess I'll read it again. Mm. And, you know, almost without fail by the 30 minutes, something, something like really holy spiritual has happened. Yeah. And I didn't see it the first time, the second time, sometimes on to the fourth or the fifth time. And it's like, oh my goodness, how did that not jump out at me? The first time I read that is, that is exactly what I needed for today. Yeah. So just that, that chewing, that meditation, that repetition, I, I rarely am blessed by just reading the word. It's kind of a Psalm one, you know, uh, have you ever heard that Hebrew word for Psalm one? The, to meditate is to, it's the word haga. Mm, I think which I have, in, yeah. in Hebrew, it's, uh, it's literally to make a low groaning sound. Like when a, mm. a lion would chew on its prey, it would mm. you know, like chewing up on it. And yeah. I think that's my advice of like, don't just read the word, chew on it, meditate on it, and it will be sweet, like honey to the soul. That's great. That's a good, that's good advice. You know, a lot of times, um, 
you know, I've been there too. You read the Bible. I have to get through these chapters. I have to get through these verses so I could have a check mark in my head that I did it, you know? And at the same time, it's like, well, maybe God wants you to meditate on five verses today only, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe you have this plan of getting through this book in this amount of time, but maybe God wants you to, to live in it for a while, or maybe, you know, you're going through the Bible and uh, he wants you to jump ahead to, to, to Psalms today or Proverbs today or, or something Mm -hmm. else that's off of the schedule that can keep us so ingrained in just doing it to do it. But the Bible is living and active. And so if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us, that means that there might be detours along the way. There might be extra, uh, an extra lesson for today that the Spirit has for you on a story you've read many different, many times. And now today, specifically, in the moment you need it, you have discernment about a verse and are able to apply it in a new way in your life before you go out for a job interview, before you go out, you know, and face your, your wife and kids in the morning or, or um, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, it's so important that we have that time because that's what nourishes us. It's our daily bread. And if we neglect that, we find that over time, we may not know why uh, we're not getting filled up because we're trying to get filled up on anything and everything else except the word of God and uh, finding that time for prayer. And in the the word is is so important to keep our eyes on Jesus. So I love that. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk about some of the work you do and and some of the the topics you've tackled. So one of your areas of expertise is in tackling uh, taboo topics. So a couple that were, I found on your website are are things like anxiety, sexuality, gender, depression, divorce, suicide, addiction, abuse, abortion, pornography, and more. So so what are some general themes you have found with these topics and uh, why is it important that Christians discuss them? Yeah. If I was going to say like one thing I'm really grateful for as a ministry and like the local church culture I stepped into here in Appleton is not just an, an openness, but a real craving where people say, tell us what God says, mm. you know, like yeah. Pastors and parents and leaders and podcasters who are like scared of the taboo. We, I, what I've really learned is we don't do struggling people any favors when we're scared to touch stuff. Right. You know, it's going to be messy. You're not going to say it the right way. There's going to be things you learn, you know, through trial and error. But, you know, every, every single week when I preach, there's someone who's anxious, someone who's depressed, someone who thought about taking their life, someone who's, processing an abortion or considering one, someone who's on the verge of divorce, someone who's same-sex attracted, someone who has gender dysphoria. Yeah. And I've just, there's such a beautiful domino effect when we jump into the deep end of the pool, just to become known as a, a ministry where like, yeah, this is, this is us. Like transgender people struggling with feeling trapped in their body. That's not like out there. Yeah. Like people who love Jesus and are reading the Bible and they're carrying this burden. And if we don't start the conversation, I kind of call it the topical boomerang. Mm. It's like, oh, I didn't know all these people were here until God gave me the push to talk about it. And then suddenly there's seven texts on my phone and four emails in the inbox of people I've been pastoring for years who said, that was me. Mm. So, yeah, silence does not make things safe. Right. And not everyone is a pastor, but maybe everyone's in a small group or everyone has a group of friends or there's parents listening. And I would just like beg and plead with you to bring it up. Yeah. Like just say, Hey, if you know, son, if you, if you ever feel attracted to like other guys, I would love to talk to you about that. 
Like that, that's a long road and the Bible has a lot to say. And I would love you so deeply. Mm. I, I sometimes call it preemptive preaching. Like mm. you haven't said anything yet, but just in case you feel like A or B or C, here's what I would say to you. Right. You know, and that has just opened incredible doors for counseling and healing and just giving people the gospel that they need. Yeah. I, I love that. You know, not waiting until that uh, topic comes up necessarily, uh, but leaving that door open in a relationship with somebody where they know that one, either once they get the courage or once they uh, want to start pursuing answers and pursuing uh, more th- about it, they know who to go to, right? Because too often, I think we slam the door in people's face and then they're like, well, where do I go? I go to social media, I go to someone else that'll tell me what I want to hear maybe. Um, but at the same time, I think as, as a church, we've, as a big C church, we've done a disservice to people who are struggling with these things where, you know, we kind of minimize their pain. We minimize the answer where it's just believe in Jesus. And that is the answer. But at the same time, what do we do with the questions they have? You know, we, we just, uh, brush it aside? Do we just say, you know, well, uh, that's a sin and feeling that way makes you sinful? Um, Or do we uh, say things like, you know, I I love you through the process. Tell me where you're coming from. These are the answers that I believe and why. And then, uh, and then put the ball back in their court. So would you agree that's kind of the best way to go about that kind of scenario? Yeah, I I think that's well said. And it's shocking, you know, of all the content we've made on Time of Grace, of all the books of the Bible I've preached through and topics we've covered, it's uh, the sermon, we have one called God's to-do list for depression mm. that is is viewed not a hundred times or a thousand times, but a million times. Wow. It's the, what happens if a Christian commits suicide that on Christmas day spikes in organic views like no other video we've ever put online. Mm. Um, so it it's like, yes, the, the church is craving good biblical answers. And uh, I'm not an expert in any of them, but just start the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God the Holy Spirit does what we can't. Um, and through our stumbling efforts, he really does bless and heal people. Yeah. And be available. You know, if you're someone that just, you know, I'm not a pastor, I don't, I haven't written all these books and stuff like that. You know, there are resources out there. And like you're saying, just start the conversation, be available, be yeah. someone who's just a listening ear. You know, if at the end of the day, your goal is not to change them, but just to listen to them, that's a perfect way to start, you know, because, because from there you build relationship. And then from that relationship, they'll start, you know, hopefully seeing your life as a reflection of Jesus and then wanting either your peace, wanting your joy, wanting these things, which are the the fruit of the spirit. Even if you don't necessarily say the right words, our lives should be lived in a way that is the gospel to people by showing them the gospel, even if it's not with words. So, so in your book too, uh, Undeserved, How God's Grace Can Erase Your Failures, you talk about how most of the examples in the Bible are people God used and these were dysfunctional people, sinful people. So I love this topic as part of discernment because when we think about our past, you know, the enemy comes to uh, remind us of our past, even though God's trying to push us forward into new things with him. And mm-hmm. so how how do we discern our past in a way that doesn't maybe forget it completely, but also not focus on our failures and then keep our eyes, you know, again on Jesus and, and pushing forward? Yeah, good question. Aren't you grateful the Bible is so jam-packed with jacked up. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm starting a sermon series on Job this Sunday. Um, there's that little line in the beginning of he has these 10 children and like each kid on his birthday invites all the other siblings. And it struck me like, this might be the first functional family in the Old Testament. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yeah. so 
um, man, just on every page, you have Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and just these kind of messed up people. So I'm, I'm really grateful that the, God inspired his word. So there were on every page, people just yeah. like me and you. Um, yeah, as far as discernment goes, I was raised in, a, I think, a really healthy church culture that talked about the proper use of the law and the gospel. Hmm. So really my theological training was like, there is a great time to think about the law, like my life, my choices, my sins, my past. If we ignore all that, we end up foolish, unrepentant, repeating the same sins, not growing in faith. Right. But then there's a time when when focusing the law is just, it's crushing. It either makes you proud that you think you're so much better than other people, mm-hmm. or it discourages the snot out of you because your spiritual growth is so slow and you get stuck in the sins of the past. And then it's like, okay, I just need, I got to stop looking in a mirror and I just got to stare at the cross for a while and fix my eyes on, on Jesus and unconditional love. Yeah. So, you know, that Martin Luther once said, like on paper, a kindergartner can tell the difference between the law and the gospel, but having the discernment to know in this moment, do I need law or gospel? He said, if you can figure that out, we should immediately make you a doctor of theology. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this is the hard thing. And I see that in counseling, like I'm hearing someone talk and I'm trying to like begging the Holy Spirit. Why don't you put like a little repento meter on their forehead? <laughs> so, you know, I know if they're crushed or if they need yeah. to be smacked around with the law. So I, I might say, and let me take it in this direction. What I've kind of seen is that people who have really big selfless hearts often emotionally get stuck in past sins. Hmm. I've kind of learned that the people who seem like the most amazing selfless Christ-like people, they're often that way because they have these big empathetic, strong feeling kind of wirings. Yeah. But there's a dark side of that where they're often very hard on themselves, very, I'm not good enough. Sometimes they're doing all these good things to try to like fill that gap of, you know, performance. And I've kind of seen needing that. I'm more of like an intellectual, like, well, it says I'm forgiven. So I'm forgiven. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But there's some discernment, I think, there when knowing, you know, I have a big hearted daughter that way. And she's like, no, yeah, honey, you are forgiven. Jesus does love you. But what if I do this? And what if I mess up this? Like, it's not time for the law right now. You, you don't need that. Yeah. You know, discernment to lean heavy on the gospel with her wiring and personality. So it, it's tricky. I mean, rightly dividing the word of truth, I think is, uh, I think that's second Timothy, you know, the calling of those in ministry leadership. And I kind of love the focus of your, of your message here. Like that takes some serious Holy spirit wisdom and discernment to do it well. Yeah. And there's a tough balance, like you're saying, between, you know, law and grace, as far as abusing grace to the point where you're not repentant, you know, you mess up and you're like, oh, God's, God's there. He's always been there. He will always be there for me. And it's really no big deal versus, you know, I messed up God, you know, and and having that almost anguish when you sin and knowing that God will be there versus casually treating him as on our same level. Like he's my homeboy, you know, he's cool with it. Um, (laughs) And so we almost need a fear of God, but not being afraid of God where, you know, he's going to condemn us if we sin, but also knowing that he's God and we are not. And so that should put us on a level of wanting to please him. And so there's, there's this tough line, you know, there's no, like, there's no like easy way to explain that to people because 
is like, well, is God's grace unlimited? Yes. Is, is God also expecting us to follow his, his laws and, and, and obey him? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? So, okay, well, and even Paul says, you know, those who just keep uh, abusing grace, a scary verse of just waiting condemnation on them. Uh, there's no more repentance needed for those that just abuse it. Mm-hmm. So you have all this stuff at play and it's, it's sometimes overwhelming. And I've been caught in the sin cycle in my past. And it's like, you know, you feel far away from God. So how do you get back to God when you feel far away? Well, you go back to the sin because that's what you know, instead of turning to God. And so mm-hmm. what's a, what, what would you say as far as breaking that sin cycle of just repeating the same thing over and over is the best way for uh, us to think about it? Ooh, yeah, that's tough. Um, that's where I see the power of community. Um, yeah. Proverbs is a Proverbs 28, 13 whoever conceals their sins will not prosper, mm. but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, you're, we're trying to apply law and gospel at the right time to our own hearts. Should we be harder on ourselves with the standard of holiness and God's hatred of sin? Or should I like, Oh, just rest in his grace and be still and know that where sin was great, his mercy was even greater. Yeah. Um, sometimes I can't figure that out. So just yeah. having, once again, those objective voices to say, okay, dude, you, you are repentant. <laughs> like yeah. don't beat yourself up for your <laughs> imperfect repentance. Yeah. You need Jesus right now. Or, Hey, I mean, it seems like you're moving rushing past the sin that put Jesus on the cross pretty quickly. Yeah. Let's think about the seriousness of what you just did. Um, man, community is such a gift in that way. Yeah. Well, I think Martin Luther too would like crawl in his, he would crawl on steps on his belly just as an act of penance for his sins. And he was in this place of like never feeling that grace of God uh, early in his life, you know, and cause the church was so condemning at the time that he would just do these things to like punish himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's like the extreme of it too. You know, we just never feel that love of God knowing he's, he's like a, you know, you always think about God as our father and as a father myself, I know that even if my kids mess up, I'm still, I still love them. I didn't excommunicate them out of the family. I still <laughs> accept them. I want them to come to me because I want them to, I want their heart to be repentant because they know they did wrong, not because I'm forcing them to repent so they can get their technology back or something, you know, it's, <laughs> it's all about the heart. And so that's kind of what we have to think about is not just doing A, B, and C, but having a relationship with God that will then propel us into not wanting to do that same thing again. So, yeah, yeah, beautiful. And a big part of relationship is prayer, and you have a devotional called "The Power of Devoted Prayer." You admit too in, in there that you know prayer is hard sometimes, and we try to trick ourselves that you know uh, I love doing it for hours, and we you know we tell ourselves <laughs> these stories that aren't true, and we look good like a Pharisee that you know preached a prayer to other people to hear. Um, but there's genuine obstacles that we face in, in having a powerful prayer life, and if we're honest with ourselves, we we know what they are personally. But um, why is prayer hard? you know, in general, do you think, and, and what are ways that we can kind of analyze our own prayer life with being honest with the reality of it? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being candid about that. It's <laughs> growing up Lutheran. I heard those stories of what Luther's quote was like, Dr. Luther, how do you get so much done each day? And he said, oh, I, I start my day with three hours of prayer. <laughs> and they said, well, if you, if you pray for three hours, how do you get so much done? To which he says, I wouldn't get so much done if I didn't pray for three hours. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't know if that story was supposed to be inspiring, but I'm like, it's like, wow, three, three hours. <laughs> I'm like my yeah. brain is somewhere else in three minutes. So exactly. I, yeah, I, uh, actually I had an interview. 
ironically, with someone from Germany this morning, and we were just talking about that Power of Prayer book, and he asked the same question. And I, I never really jotted it down on paper like I did this morning, but I thought, here's the issue. Number one, you can't see God when you talk to him. So, you know, I'm throwing these words up to heaven, right. and I, I can't see God nodding his head or, or listening to me like a human. And then second, you know, because of God's mysterious way of answering prayer, like I can't see the results either. Mm. So it's, it's really hard from a human senses perspective to wonder, is this, is this working? Yeah. Is this, is this making any difference? I, uh, some weeks I pray a lot, some I don't, and there's no discernible like net change at the end of the week. Yeah. So I, I kind of well, jotted down, and this was, I want to think about this some more, but the, the question for me is simply, was God serious? So apparently this, this prayer thing is all on faith. And there's, you know, there's a billion Bible passages that would say prayers are powerful and effective and seek yeah. and, you know, you'll find and knock and the door will be opened. So th- at the end of the day, the question is just, did God mean that? Right. And if he did, oh my goodness, here's a, this is like the best blank check ever. The God, the God who runs the universe is saying, ask me about anything. And it might not be exactly what you ask for, but I will respond to that sure. and your prayers will be powerful and effective. So I, that's in my struggle trying to pray more. I just want to ask myself that question. If, if God was serious, well, why wouldn't I pray about this? Yeah, that's a good starting point. You know, you think about, like you said, it, it does require faith to pray. Cause you don't see the tangible results of it. You know, if I talk to my wife and ask her something, I get to see immediately, is she annoyed? Is she, is she going to give me that? Is she going to, you know, what does she think about it? And so there is a level of faith to know that what I'm saying is not falling on deaf ears. It's actually going to God and it may not always come back the way I want, but I also know that Jesus modeled it for us, that there's no shortage of prayer and discussion of prayer in the Bible, like you're saying. And so then you have to come back to the thing like, okay, if I believe in the power of prayer, then I'm going to do it because of the what's modeled for us, what the Bible says about it, about us, and that it's actually building relationship with God. And I think it's the important thing for anything in, in the Christian life, you know, is to come to terms with what you believe and why. I've said this before, if I truly believe in the power of prayer, I do it more. And so Anything that you have a question on, you know, is is, is demonic deliverance uh, for today? You know, is it, do people get still get delivered to demons? Well, a lot of times, I have to come to terms with: is that something that's in the Bible? Do I believe it? Just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And so you have this constant battle with with theology and doctrine all the time in your head of what. But a lot of times we base it on our experience and experiential Mm. knowledge is not the best way to discern the scripture because Mm. you're not going to experience everything that's in the scripture. And uh, it was funny because there's this book uh, called Compelled, and it's this story of this guy that built uh, thousands of churches in India. And in it, there's this amazing story of these people on the run from uh, people trying to kill them. And they prayed to God and they didn't know anything about God. They just prayed that God, if you're real, give us food. And in, in that moment, there was fresh freshly buttered hot bread on a rock. (laughs) And I read that story. I'm like, that is insane. First of all, (laughs) it's hard to believe because I've never seen that happen. And after I read that story and the book is amazing, by the way, um, it's called compelled. And, And then just the other day I read in the Bible and I think it was Elijah that there was bread made for him, uh, on a rock next to him. There was no butter, but there was hot bread. And I'm like, okay, well that, 
just that alone is, has a biblical basis for something you would think is insane. Wow. And, and, but it's in the Bible. And so if you believe the Bible, then there's insane things that happen in the Bible. There's still miracles that God does today. And so anyway, I don't know where I went with all that other than to say that we have to believe in prayer because the Bible says it's our, it's our communication with God. Uh, we don't do it to get our laundry list of things done, but we do it to build a relationship with God. And so uh, you talk about some great, uh, some keys to powerful prayer. Anything you could share with us on just things we may not have thought about or maybe to just re-engage in our thought process on prayer? Yeah, I preached um, three or four weeks on prayer about a year ago. And if you'd asked me, did anything change since then? I'm a year down the road. Hmm. There's actually one thing that's stuck with me, and it's become just a little nice little hook that has me praying more frequently. This was a God moment while I was preaching. I brought up this little four-year-old with his dad, and uh, his name was Asher. And I'm, I'm about six, two, so I'm a pretty tall dude. And I got down like on one knee and I said, Asher, do you think you could like back up, do a running start and jump and give me a high five? So I'm down on one knee. I got my hand out there. He's like, yeah, yeah. So he backs up. I'm like, all right, let's do it. One, two, three. Boom. Asher starts running. And just as he's about to get to me and jump, I stand up on my feet. I stretch my hand up in the air and I stretch up on my tiptoes. <laughs> And like <laughs> Asher's little, little kid shoes, like stop. And he looks way up at my hand and totally unprompted. He, he said the two words I was hoping he would say, he said, I can't. Hmm. And I, uh, I kind of crouched down again and I said, well, do you think if my hand was way up there, is there anyone who could help you? So you could, and I kind of, you know, nodded his dad who's up on stage <laughs> and you know, he runs back to dad, dad picks him up by the waist. I, I keep my hand at the same level and here this four-year-old comes, gives me this super sweet high five. Yeah. It, it kind of struck me as a human being, I can't is the right reaction to everything. Yeah. Like I can't control if my body feels good when I wake up in the morning. I, I can't control the hundred drivers that could crash into me on my short commute from home to work. Right. Uh, I can preach a sermon. I, I I can't remember the words that I previously memorized without God. I can't make anyone believe it. I can't make anyone obey it. Like at every step of my life, like God, if you don't show up, I'm impotent. Yeah. So I found myself now on the top of every sermon before I get up and preach it. I just write those two words. Like I can't. Mm. And it's been like this little trigger for me to like pray, I, you know, before I just like in the rush of, do I have my outline straight in my head? Am I ready to preach this? You know, what's going on with the service? Yeah. Just seeing those two words like, oh yeah. And I'm in a prayerful spot saying, God, have mercy on me. Do something because without you, I, I can do nothing. Yeah, that's really good. And uh, helps us be humble. You know, when we, when we don't pray, I think a lot of times we're just proud. Like we, I got this figured out. If I need anything from God, I'll ask him. Yeah. And so if we humble ourselves and go to God, knowing that, he is our heavenly father that we want with us throughout the day. You know, I, I tell my kids, just have a conversation with God, you know, because uh, at nighttime, you know, they go into the typical, you know, closing prayer that's, you know, manufactured, but I'm like, Hey, when you're in your bed, just talk to God, like you would me, you know, just, just have a conversation with him, ask him how he's doing that the back and forth, you may not get like we're saying, you know, physically, like you will with me, but we, we have the faith that he's there. Um, and I think that's really good too on, 
you know, going before God when with, with anything, just saying, I put it before you. And then also being thankful. That's the other thing that, that you know, we talked about this year at, at my church is just don't go before God and ask for anything sometimes. Just go before God and just talk and tell him what you're thankful for, even if it's in advance or in place of what you want to ask for. So if you want to ask for a, a medical thing, thank God that you got up today, that you have breath in your lungs, that you, you know, that he healed you from something in the past or that, you know, he's going to do it again. Like just have a state of thankfulness for who God is. Because I mean, if my kids came to me and just said, you know, Hey, can I have money for the ice cream truck? And I'm going to go to the store and do this and that. And then I give them all this money and then they just leave without ever wanting to do anything with me. I would be heartbroken as a dad. And so um, we have to be careful that we don't just go to God as our cosmic vending machine, but we also listen to him. We have a relationship with him and he constantly draws us into relying on him, which is a part of the prayer process. I mean, Jesus himself, you know, fully God, but he modeled it for us. Like he got away with his heavenly father uh, many times. This is someone you're like, he probably doesn't need to pray. He probably can just kind of cruise through it and do, um, do what he wants. But, um, you know, he didn't count equality with God to be grasped that he lowered himself so that he could model this for us. Uh, and so if it's good enough for Jesus, it should be good enough for us. Mm. Yeah, well said. Cool. So is there anything else that any other resources you'd like to talk about or anything else on your mind that you'd like to share with our listeners? No, thanks for the thanks for the chat. I know we talked about a, a lot of stuff and a lot of books. So if anyone uh, was kind of sparked or uh, drawn to anything, we talked about timeofgrace.org is kind of the home site. and you could really type in whatever topic is of interest to you in that little search bar and you yeah. find messages, written devotions, um, all kinds of stuff that I hope is a blessing to your faith. Very cool. I'll put that in the show notes. We talked about uh, undeserved, uh, how God's grace can erase your failures. And we talked about uh, the power of devoted prayer, which is a journal. It's a devotional slash journal. So it allows you uh, some room to write in there too. So if you're looking for another journal um, devotional type of thing, that's an awesome thing to uh, way to look at there. So Thank you, Pastor Mike, for coming on. God bless you, your family, and your ministry. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Mike, so much for coming on. It was great talking with you. Make sure you go to the show notes to connect with him, as well as things that I am doing and getting my new devotional, Eyes on Jesus. Make sure you get a copy today. There is no episode next week since we're taking a break before season three, but I will have bonus content along the way during our month or so break. So make sure you stay tuned to this channel. Go to my YouTube, subscribe there. And you can always follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook as well at Discerning Dad. Please let me know also if you have an idea for someone I can interview on this podcast, let me know. Email me at discerningdad at outlook.com. And until next week, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad at outlook.com. Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.